playing the best in hip hop. Here on 100.7 KXTR, the planet. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We talked about HeavyCon, and now it's time to talk about a game I played at HeavyCon and a game you and I have played twice. Yes, sir. And I've played... Six times, seven times? I think I've played four times that I haven't played with you. So I've okay. played six, this game six times, for okay. sure, with Larrett at the convention with you. So it's, I played this game a lot. Half a dozen times. This will more, be a good review. More than I played a lot of games recently that we reviewed. We try to play games three times yeah, at, at least. least. But, I mean, six times. It's good. Yeah. I've got a really good grasp on this game. So, um, <clears throat> Signoria, published by What's Your Game in uh, Europe and designed by Andrea Ciarvesio and Pierluca Zizzi. Players play the heads of Renaissance Italy households, trying to marry your daughters and granddaughters to the best families and have your sons and grandsons get in the best position on three career tracks, politics, religion, and military. Each round, a number of dice of five different colors are rolled, and players take turns drafting the dice, each taking four actions in each round. There are seven rounds in the game, D. Players start the game with money and children meeples. You've got males and females. You start out with four males and three females. During the game, you're trying to get money and more family member meeples. Move your family members along career tracks to eventually go on diplomatic missions and marry your female family members and get the correct tiles to score points. So the big thing is you've got the big center board where the dice are going to be placed, where there's tiles you're trying to get, where the career tracks are where assignment tiles are. There's a lot of stuff going on in the right. main board. But you've also got your player board, which is where you're going to place the dice that you've drafted to take actions. And there's also on the left side of the board, there is you at the top of the household, and you've already got a picture of a bride meeple there. You're married already. Yep. So that's the... And then you've got your four sons who you're trying to marry and put bride meeples on them as well. And that's how you're going to get family member meeples later on in the game. So also on your board on the right side, there are images of the three career tracks, the politics, the military, and the religion. Right. And there's also the marriage action image, which um, each of these four places has pictures of tiles. There's four tiles each on the three career tracks, four pictures, and then there's one of each of the tiles. So the tiles essentially are these tiles that are out on the map area of the board. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but... um, they have the images of six wealthy households in Renaissance Italy on them. Right. And you're trying to get various numbers of these tiles depending on what's pictured on these three tracks, right? It's kind of a hard little concept to explain, but say there's uh, the lion and the cross and the whatever there. I need to get at least three of the four things pictured on those tracks that have victory points on them. These tiles have victory points to be able to score it all. Right. So I may get all four and I have to get I have to get the exact ones that are pictured, but I have to get at least three of those to score them. Yeah, there's more than three on each of the options. There's four or five on each of there's them, I believe. There's four on the three ones that are related to the, to the uh, guys. career tracks, and then the marriage one, there's one of each of the six pictured. Right. So you can't get double on that, but you can get one of each of the six, but you have to get at least three to score it at all. So you may decide early on in the game, I'm going to try and get the marriage one done and these two others done. Or you may decide, I'm just going to try and get all three of the male ones done. Right. And not worry about the other one or one and two or whatever. But It's really hard to do all four. 
it's really hard to do all four unless that's the one thing you're focusing on, which is a big area for points. So it, that may be a strategy that you can do in the game. That's pretty much what I've focused on in each game. And even focusing on that, it's hard to do all four, for right. sure. Um, to get three at least, one thing you probably end up having to do if you try to get all four is there are actions in various places to be able to take a face-down tile and put it out there which only counts for one point, but it does count towards your three that you have to have. Right. So you're trying to get these uh, tiles. So on the right side of your player board, there's these spaces to splay out these tiles to try and get at least three of each to score points. And you can take, um, once the dice are rolled and the round is set up, you can take one die of each color and place it in that color space on your player board. That's you taking an action. You can only take one of each color die, right? Right. But they're different numbers, whatever you rolled. Um, it has a spot for each color with each color having a number from one to five. So like the yellow is a one, the red is a two, the purple is a three, and so on. Right. right. So um, if the die you place is smaller than the number in the space, you must pay the difference. So with the first couple that are one and two, that's not usually going to happen. Right. Um, but when you get up to the five and you're taking like a one a die with a one on it. It gets real expensive. Yeah, you're going to have to start paying for that. So when you place a die, D, you have three choices. So those choices are the first thing is the main action. Right. So there are five main actions, one for each color. Uh, that you can take. Yellow gets you $3, which you're going to need money in this game. Absolutely. Uh, red allows you to take the marriage action, which what, what the marriage action is, is you take one of your female meeples, which you have to have to do this action. Right. You put it out onto one of the cities. The cities are the name of the city and then two spaces for tiles. One's a marriage action tile. One's a diplomacy action tile. And then uh, two rows of the numbers one through four. So you put it on whichever city you want where the tile you want is. And this is how you get the tiles to put on the right side of your board to score. Right. And you put it on the lowest number available. And for the marriage action, you have to pay that number. Uh, it's a dowry, essentially. So if you put it on a one, you pay $1. But you get two points for each dollar you pay. And you can pay as much as you want, up to four. So sometimes if you've got a surplus of money... It might be good to go ahead and even if you put it on a one to pay all four and get eight points. Right. I mean, that's a quick eight points. Eight points in this game isn't a small amount. It's not a huge amount of points, but it's definitely, it'll get you there. Yes. So um, that's the marriage action that you can take when you take the uh, red action. Purple lets you roll white dice. There's white dice in this game also, and that's how you're going to get more more family member meeples. So you, like I said, you've got a bride pictured on your character on the left side of the board. Right. And once you start getting brides on the others, which is one way to do it that we'll talk about, um, you roll these dice and roll one die for each bride meeple you have. And then if it rolls a one through three, you get a daughter. If it rolls a four through six, you get a son. And that's how you get more of these family member meeples is taking the purple action. So if you take the gray action, it's a diplomacy action. It's essentially doing the marriage action, but with the male. So um, the, well, I'll talk about the blue action real quick, which will get us to the gray action. Okay. So the blue action is uh, moving four spaces, which you can split any way you want between the three career tracks and the initiative track. Right. So the initiative track will get you into being the first player that goes each round and get you victory points. But the career tracks, you know, moving it to the career track is one, and then each one you go up is one, two. So... What this is, is you're moving up and there's different sections. So if I go up two on one career track, I'm in level one. If I go up a couple more, I'm in level two of that career track. And it goes all the way up to level four, 
once you pass a certain space, you get money, and another space gets you up on the initiative track. Right. But when I take the gray action for the diplomacy action, I'm taking one of these. I'm taking one of the male meeples from the career track and putting him over onto one of those number one through four on one of the cities, just like the female, right? Right. So if a level two is all that, if a number two is all that's available, my male meeple has to be up to at least level two on that career track. So I take him, I get the points that are numbered on that space on the career track, and I put him on that space. I don't pay anything this time. Um, the payment is having gotten him up right. to that level. And then I get to take the tile, just like I did with the marriage action. I take the tile on the right side instead of the left side. And those are the tiles that I'm using for those different tracks on the right side of my board. Right. So this is a very in-depth discussion of this game, but it's um, it, it, it all really works so well together. It's hard to explain one thing without explaining another, it, you know? It sounds complicated. It really isn't. No, no, it really isn't. Those are the five actions. I mean, once you learn how to do a marriage action and a diplomacy action, the other actions are easy. It's move four spaces, get $3, or roll these white dice and get meeples. Yep. I mean, those are the two actions that have the most complicated nature to them, and they're simple, too. It's uh, This game is based more around planning and, you know, you know, utilizing your actions the best you can. Right. Um, but those are the five main actions. But, D, there's other things you can do when you put these dice on the certain colors. You can do an assignment action of that color. So um, the assignment tiles are shuffled and placed randomly at the beginning of each round. There's a male and female assignment action for each color die. Right. So say I take the red die and I place it on the red spot. I pay whatever I have to pay. And I say, okay, I'm going to do the assignment action. There's now going to be two tiles for the assignment. One's male, one's female. Um, you're going to be paying male and female meeples based on whatever it tells you it costs. And then you get to do that action. Simple so, enough. Sometimes it'll say... Uh, dot dot three which means you can pay one two or three to do that action one two or three times right it may say pay one two or three to get two dollars so if i pay three i get six dollars if i pay two i get four dollars so on right um that's the assignment actions i mean that's the whole thing you know whatever color you do the assignment action with you choose one of those two actions pay the male or female meeples and do that action so the last thing you can do is hire a helper. And this is kind of the most interesting part, right? Absolutely. And the thing you really want to do at the be- more towards the beginning of the game. So when you hire a helper, I say I place the red die and I say I'm going to hire a helper. Well, the red die doesn't hire a red helper. It's got a different color associated with hiring a helper. So the red die hires a gray helper. Right. So I go over to the gray action space and there's four helper actions listed below it. And I put a white disc on the helper I want to hire. I pay to hire that helper, and then it doesn't do anything for me right now, which is kind of the most interesting part about that because you're kind of giving up at one of your four actions that round. It doesn't do anything for me right now, but the next time I place a gray die, I get to do every helper action that I have a helper for. That's basically, just as a bonus. Yeah, it's a free action from then on. So if you spend a good part of the first of the game, which you can't spend all of it doing this, but getting money and paying to hire helpers towards the end of your game. I mean, that's definitely one of the ways to win this game is to go the helper route. Yep. Tile route, helper route. Um, it's a big it's a big one. And that's, I, that's, I haven't done that a lot. It's how I beat you last, yeah, the last time sure. we played. And it's how I got beat the last time I played. So yeah, maybe you, I should start doing hiring more helpers. Yeah, you looked up and you had, I think you had like two helpers and I had like ten. Yeah, so the helpers are big because then towards the end of the game, every time you do your one action – you're getting three or four actions every time. Yep. And if you get 
one to three helpers on each of the different color actions, I mean, you are really maximizing your one of your four actions every time. So, I mean, your four actions at a round turn into eight or nine or ten actions, essentially. So, um, that's big, hiring a helper. One of the biggest pieces of the game, though, D, is the numbers on the die faces. Of course. Um, they matter more than just having to pay if they're a lower number than what's pictured on the board. So if at the end of the round, the numbers you've drafted equal 13 or less, you get bonus action. And these aren't small bonus actions. They're big. So these bonus action tiles are placed randomly at the beginning of the game and range through all the different actions. The bonus tiles for the last two rounds are victory point based and the others are just action based. Um, the other bonuses you get are getting brides for your sons. That's how you do that to right. get more family member meeples. And um, which is the only way to get those family member meeples and getting money. So um, that's the other thing. You, you get money, you get a bonus action, which is pretty big, and you get a bride meeple. So, or you can choose instead of doing the bonus action to get $3 if you're really low on cash as well. So, D, um, that's the game essentially. That's so it. you're drafting dice, you're marrying off your daughters and sending your sons up career tracks to go on diplomatic missions to get these tiles, which is a big part of the game. You're doing assignment actions, which take paying meeples to do those, to do different actions. Right. And you're also hiring helpers, which, you know, really maximize actions towards the end of the game. So that's the whole game. D, I got to say, uh, I'm a big fan of this game. I love the dice drafting. Dice drafting is so much fun. Um, and keeping the balance between getting a low value die so that you can stay below 13 and wanting higher value dice so that you don't have to pay as much. That's the real crux of the game to me, right? Um, it's certainly a big part, especially early in the game. Um, if you find yourself uh, in the first turn or two not being able to uh, stay at or below 13 and get that that marriage meeple so you can have more kids later, uh, you very quickly find yourself short on children yeah. to go do things with. And there's five rounds to get that and four spaces that you need it for. So yeah, and it just mess up one time only. Yeah, I was going to say, you get one mess up, and the <laughs> earlier you mess up, the Obviously, A, the harder it is because you have to hit it from then on, but it just it puts you that many kid, children meeples behind yeah. for virtually ever. <clears throat> yeah, so this game is based on balance a lot, right? Yes. So you've got the balance of, do I want to take lower value dice to stay below that 13, or do I want to take higher value dice to um, not have to pay as much money? So you're trying to get those mid-range dice as much as you can. Right. And then the other balance is that you can pass on one of your four actions or sometimes even two of the four actions to stay below 13. But you really are deciding like, what, what do I need to do here? Do I need to pass and give up an entire action to get that bonus? So it's all about optimizing your actions and deciding what is more valuable to you exactly. at all times. So you really need to be planned a couple of turns ahead to know what is more valuable to you at any given moment. Right. Because there are a lot of decisions to be made that you really can't go back on once you've made them. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the 13 or less thing. There's one of the assignment tiles that will let you pay male or female meeples to be able to raise that number by three. Right. The thing you're doing there, that's got to be really worth it to you to do that because the thing you're doing there is giving everybody that ability. Yeah, it's not that, just for you. It's for everybody in the game. Yeah, so you're saying, okay, now you have to have 16 or less, so I can get a die that's two more and not worry about going over, but now they get to do whatever they want, yes. you know? And another big part of the game is really paying attention because, say, there's a 
there's a die out there that I want to grab, but then I notice, oh wait, D's already got that color die. So I'm going to leave that die there. I'm going to choose another one that I'm trying to get before he gets it. Right. Because I can grab that one anytime I want it. You, you have to really pay attention as far as that's concerned. Reading, reading your opponents and being able to guess at what they're going to do, or sometimes I guess a little bit easier, being able to realize what they've already done and can't stop you from doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, is, is a decent part of this game. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, one of the things I really like about this game that I really like about Euro games and that this game does really well is it makes every little action feel important. Yes. Every little bitty thing you do, even climbing that career track by two spaces it's feels really important because by doing that, you are getting to a new level, which lets you put your meeple on a diplomatic mission one step ahead, which lets you grab that tile, which lets you complete that. I mean... Every little bitty action feels important, and it's not so mind-bending that you feel like you're planning six turns ahead. Right. It's the perfect level of planning. You're planning two, three turns ahead, developing a strategy, and you feel like you can really hit that strategy with just enough resistance that it feels challenging. Um, Something that I really like about this game, um, as opposed to a lot of other Euros, in my experience with a lot of other Euros... There are several different paths to winning presented, and you almost have to go all in on one yeah. in order to do really mm-hmm. well. Um, with Signore, um, if you go all in on something, there's a very real chance, very high chance, frankly, that you just get burned. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is it is a game that all the way around wants balance, wants you, wants you to have fingers in all the different pies. Yeah. You've got to get points from all the different areas or else, yeah, you scored a bunch of points doing this one thing, but you got blown out of the water everywhere else. You came in last. So, yeah, a game that I think about a lot when you talk about that is like Zulkin, right? Yes. So, in Zulkin, if you don't go, and I've even tested it, so I feel like this is really true. If you don't go the uh, God track route, mm-hmm. you're going to lose, essentially. And if you just do that heavily, there's a good chance you're going to win. Yep. For the only one doing that heavily. So you're right. This game really not only feels balanced and makes every action feel important, but also wants you to be balanced, just like you said. Yes. It really does. And, um, I, man, I really love this game. The multiple paths to victory, but you really do have to balance everything out. Planning a couple of turns ahead where you re- it feels challenging, but you feel like you can get there, but it is challenging. Yes. I mean, it's not easy um, what did you think about this game when we first broke it out? I mean, it looks a little bit boring, which a lot of Euro games at first glance don't look at, incredibly exciting. At first glance, it looked pretty dry. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, you're, you're doing various things and basically trying to collect, collect tiles. That was the first impression, you know, yeah. as you're setting it up for the very first play, um, that was absolutely a false statement, and I got blown out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, again, I didn't have any balance. All I did was collect tiles. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it was. It, it seemed very straightforward. It seemed pretty boring. Um, and that couldn't have been farther from the truth. Yeah, it, it does end up being a much more engaging game than you would think, right? It's, it's very engaging. There is a lot of depth, a lot of different strategy elements to it that you – you honestly have to be thinking um, not necessarily multiple turns ahead, yeah. but you need to know what you're going to do before your turn comes back around. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and I got to say, the thing with having to get 13 or less right. is such an interesting mechanism because it's, you know, an, 
another game that if this game didn't have that, you would be playing it trying to get the most points, but that keeps you on your toes the whole time. It's like adding this tension to it. Because like, otherwise you just grab a big die so you don't have to pay for it, and who yeah, cares? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So keeping that that balance there between what size die do I want? Do I have enough money to pay for this so that I can stay below 13? Or am I just going to have to go for it and pass? Is it worth passing? Do I just go way over 13 because these actions are worth it? It's a whole thing, and it's good. It's it's a really good game. Yes. Um, the I like that the actions on assignment tiles, helpers, and the uh, bonus tiles are all mostly just variations yes. on the main actions. There's some different stuff, like here you get three victory points. Um, the reason the bonus actions are so beneficial and why you really want to stay 13 or below is because there's some great stuff on those. There's one that just lets everybody clear their player board and draft one more die each Correct. In player order. That's huge. If you've got helpers, that's four more actions potentially on a on a round where you just took four actions. Right. I mean, that's big, right? Um, and on those actions got helpers. I mean, you potentially just got 15 actions in one turn. Exactly. You know? So uh, another one lets you place a helper on any color. So if you got lucky enough to put that out early on in the game, that's a great one you want to try and get. And then you'll notice like, oh, that one, I haven't been really working on that strategy. I'm going to leave that one. I'm going to go over 13 on this turn. Right. There's that one time when you can just not worry about it because you don't need that action. You've got all your brides. You know you're going to get them. And it, it allows you that one little breather or misstep right one of those two it allows for that but that's it the rest of the time it's keeping you on your toes that mechanism right there Mm -hmm. and i gotta say everything feels important everything is fun to do um helpers are great assignment tiles are cool i don't think we've used them as much as we could have right that's the thing we kind of use the least in the game i played at heavy con um the other player that my wife and I were playing with was mm-hmm. really using them, and that drove us to use them too because right. she was like really optimizing those hel- those assignment tile actions. Um, the career track is really cool getting up there because there's two things you can do: you can get them up high enough to get that other tile for the, that right side of your board, right? Or you can try and get one of those guys up really high because at the end of the game you get points based on where those guys are as well well and you get you get points whenever you send them off as well don't you Uh uh-huh yeah so So. the best thing is to send them off but i mean if you can't like towards the end of the game when you're just trying to optimize each action to just eke out a couple more victory points right just just rocket them to the top of the table because i've got this thing to do over here and i've got this one action left i'm not going to be able to do these three actions to get him up there over here and get that here right but i can get him up there you know so um yeah bonus tiles are cool the drafting is such a fun thing i love the drafting A, a euro game like this with such like rigorous mechanisms where you're planning and everything is like I've got to do this to do this to do this. Having that random element with the dice mm-hmm. is a lot of fun because there may be a turn where you roll all fives and sixes. And then what do you do? Yeah, I mean, you're like, I'm going to have to pass this turn because I've got to have that bonus action, right? Right. Um, and then balance and optimization of actions and planning is fantastic in this game. It's not so much planning that it makes your head hurt, but it's enough planning with enough tension that it just makes it a lot of fun. Yes. I got to say, if there was a couple of things 
I would say bad about this game. Actually, one thing. I've enjoyed this game enough that I can't really think of anything in all of the mechanisms and the gameplay that I dislike. The one thing is the quality of the components. This um, game is very cheaply put together. Yeah, it feels that way, right? Um, and, you know, past what your game games have been similar, uh, Zongguo kind of had that. Right. But, I mean, the third or fourth time I pulled this game out for us to play uh, down at Aerostar, I mean, the boards were warped already. Our player boards were warped. The main board was warped. Um, I'm assuming the little tiles are going to start warping themselves. I've got another game I really love, Colbert, and that did this, and everything got warped. And this, I mean, this is a game where you really don't want your player board warped because you're lining tiles up next to it. Right, and, and you're setting helpers on it. Yeah, that's a little gripe, but, I mean, it can be big, too. For I mean, if you're paying for a game, you don't want it to three plays in just because you live in an area with a little bit of humidity to start warping all over the place. Right. You don't want to have to have a dehumidifier in your game room just because this company made this game cheap. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's not like it's probably the cheapest game in the world. $50 game, probably. I'm not exactly sure on that. But um, that's the one big complaint with the game is that we noticed it right off the bat when we pulled it out that time. Because it's not like there was a little bit of warping. No, these were very solidly C-shaped curves. Yeah, they were. Yeah, so uh, that's the one. If you're going into it and that doesn't bother you at all, then it's a fantastic game. If you care about the quality, exact quality of the components, and that's going to really bug you, then you might want to look into it. Or you might want to look into lacquering the the player boards when you get them, something like that, Right. If you if you really feel like it. Or laminating them, anything like that to keep them more straight and sturdy because a lot of players do stuff like that to their games to keep them especially when you're buying a lot of these like heavier more random games you might do stuff like that to your game because you're used to lower quality components right so uh that doesn't bother it bothered me that it was like that that's not going to keep me from enjoying the game okay at all so uh so in the end i guess it's not really that big of a deal you wish a company was putting as much as they could into the quality of the game but when you're running a company that's making these heavier euros, it's for a niche market. Maybe you don't always have that sort of. That may be the case. I don't know. You know, resources to put into the quality, you know. Right. So, I don't know, but I will say at least just to let people listening to this know that that was the quality of the components. The wooden components were awesome. Nothing had happened to the little tiles, but the main board and the player boards were warped. Yes. Sure. So uh, that's going to do it, guys. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. D, your final opinion of Signoria, you liked it. Uh, the game itself, I think, was great. Um, if you are a a, uh, a person who is very elite in terms of we want really high-quality products all the time, might be something to be concerned with. Yeah, but yeah. if all you care about is a, is a game with good mechanics and good quality, it's a it's a very solid game. I'd absolutely recommend playing it. Yeah, yeah, it's a winner for sure. I'm excited to play Nippon, yes. which is uh, from the designers of Madeira and Panamax. They did Panamax a couple of years ago. Um, I'm excited to play Nippon because it's another what's your game game, right? And it's from the designers of Madeira. And now that I played Madeira, I want to see if they continued making games that insanely heavy. So, because um, Panamax was supposed to be a decent amount lighter than Madeira. So. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that soon because maybe we'll bust out Nippon pretty soon. Sounds uh, good. So, D, that's going to do it for tonight. Be sure and hit us up on Twitter. We're at Bags and Boards TX. Follow us there uh, to keep up with us. We're also at facebook.com slash bags and boards. 
and we're at bagsandboardstx at gmail.com. You can find all of this info at our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash bagsandboards, plus all of our past reviews and interviews and our RSS feed address, which allows you to add our show to your podcast catcher and have our stuff fed to you directly. 